0: Good morning church. It is good to see you this morning. There have been water disputes in Atlanta. The fast-paced growth of that metroplex, the urban sprawl, has tapped into Lake Lanier and tapped it out as far as uh, industry consumption and human cons- uh, consumption and drinking, and and now there, there is a vying for the use of water in major river basins, and we're upstream, but Alabama, where it goes is downstream in the case, and Florida is downstream. And so Georgia, Alabama, and Florida have been battling over future allocation of water for decades. And, and the folks in Alabama are saying, we're, we're glad that you're using the water in Georgia, but you're restricting some of the things that we can do in terms of industry, in terms of uh, infrastructure with, uh, with water and communities. And Florida is saying, in the same way, you're, you're draining us dry. And so there's been litigation, there's been federal agencies that have weighed in, there have been mediators, and all of this has pointed to a water war. You thought that the rivalries just had to do with football, didn't you? Uh, well, we have taken roll out of tide, I guess. And, and and so with that, there are water rivalries, and there is a shortage a fresh, vital water. So there's dispute over who gets what. Well, we find that that goes all the way back to biblical times. In fact, in the Bible, we find that there's one particular famine that was almost devastating in the days of Abraham. And when he arrived in Palestine, as many of you know, he was the father of the Jews, and he was the recipient of the covenant. And the people of Israel received a blessing because of his righteousness and because of his obedience. And God chose Israel to be part of the lineage, we're part of that lineage now, of salvation. And so Abraham wanted to get up and move because of the famine, because of the need for water. And God said, no, I will provide for you. Well, years later, Isaac, his son, one who the covenant was established with as well, it was passed on to him. He was in southern Palestine. He wanted to go to Egypt, and God said, no, I will bless you. If you will be obedient, you will find that all of these lands will belong to you. I will provide plenty enough. Okay, we're going to read the scripture. And I want you to look, uh, being that we're in Georgia and how we have water disputes with those that are around us, let's look at how water disputes reach all the way back to biblical times, starting with verse 12 of Genesis chapter 26. Isaac planted crops in the land, and the same year reaped a hundredfold, because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich. I love the way the author says that. The man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy, and he had so many flocks and herds and servants that the, Palestin- the, the, uh, the Philistines envied him. I almost said Palestinians. The Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up and filled them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us, you've become too powerful. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar, where he settled Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham had died, and he gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and said, This is our water. So he named the well Asik, because they disputed with him. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one as well, so he named it Sitna. He moved on from there and dug another well. No one quarreled over it. Hallelujah! He named it Rehoboth, Rehoboth. Now the Lord had given us room, and we will flourish in the land. That's what it means. From there he went up to Beersheba. That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Let's pray together. God, for some of us, we may have been in a dry and dusty land. For some of us today, it may be as though our wells have been clogged up. And so we ask that you would refill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you will give us eyes to see the possibilities, ears to hear your voice, and a heart that will be open. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. And so, what we have is Isaac. He plants and he prospers. And the Lord adds his blessings to everything that Isaac is doing. And God bestows blessing upon blessing. He becomes richer and richer every day. And the response of the Philistines is what? It's envy. And so they throw dirt and debris in the wells, clogging them up, and they say, look, Isaac, you and the Jews have become too powerful. We need you to leave. We feel threatened by you. What clogs up or stops up your wells? Your well, if you would, your spiritual life, the heart of who you are. You see, I believe there's a couple of messages in this message and, 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 and in this text, and that's one of them, is the well of our life can run dry, can be clogged up, and we need the filling of the life of the Spirit. And water often symbolizes in the Old and New Testament the Holy Spirit, Remember the Samaritan woman at the well, Jacob's well, and Jesus says, give me a drink. And she says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask from me, a Samaritan woman, a woman, an outcast, considered a half-breed, Why do you ask me for a drink? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus is saying to us today, apart from from him, we don't have vitality. We need an ongoing relationship with him, and some of us thirst for that today, and we need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. There are some things that clog up the well. There are things that, dirt and debris that fill it. What are those things? Well, sometimes when things go well, we relax, if you would, our spiritual grip, and we become ambivalent. Others are lazy, are busyness and, and pressures of life. Some of us buy into the idea that, that if we go to church once every four weeks or once every six weeks, uh, that well is going to be vital and full, and yet it's about an ongoing daily relationship with Christ. Christ says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of the heart will flow rivers of living water. And so, a message for us today is that God wants to to fill our well again spiritually. And today, it may be that that's your prayer Lord, fill my dry and dusty place. The other is a message related uh, to the dispute in that sometimes as a church, we can become clogged and things fill up and we become debris filled. There are stop-ups, if you would. Some of those are beyond our control. Some of those have to do with external issues. Uh, Anthony mentioned some of those last week. That the church is no longer the center of the community, that it doesn't necessarily command the respect that it once did politically and and socially, that there's been a changing role in the life of the church. The other is the presence of evil in the world, and we've seen that broadcast through media and the realities of evil, even in the name of religion. And so sometimes, as a church, we become Mission fatigued, if you would, because of all of the external things in our culture and world. But I believe, as a church, much of what stops us up has to do with us and our attitudes and our behaviors. In Tom Reimer's book, Reiner's book, "Autopsy of a Deceased Church," referenced last week, one of the things that clogs or fills our well that depletes that fresh, vital water is our mentality of turning inward and failing to be externally focused. People stop inviting others. Budgets are centered around those who are already there. There's a disconnect with the surrounding community. Sometimes there is friendly fire where we're intolerant of each other, maybe worship styles or there are turf wars. And so we shoot at one another. Another characteristic is they stop praying together or they dwell on the past. They live in the rearview mirror. Have you ever heard someone talk about the glory days and they just, they live in the past. And yet God, through revisioning, has called us as a church to look through the windshield to look down the road, to do futuring. That's why this project, I really believe, opens up, the revisioning project opens up new wells. If you have your brochure, uh, there should be some brochures around you. Let's take a look at some of those wells that are being redug and how there is vitality. You know, one person said it, and you'll hear this later. uh, Martha Bowman has dug wells. In fact, we've grown... Seven acres, one half acre at a time. Uh, we have been a church that has been willing to dig wells and redig them. And part of that has to do with a strong missional emphasis that we have. Because we know that to be effective, we've got to unearth, if you would, these wells. Because there's a changing nature in the way that we've got to minister to children and youth. It's not like it was when I was here as the youth pastor 25, 26 years ago. A strategy shift has to be in place. And safety One of the things that we have to do is protect children that are vulnerable, even in the life of the church. And so some things are are taking place. We're repurposing space for our children, for our youth. We're making it inviting, but we're also making it where it can be contained. That parents check in their children, and they check them out. They'll have their own bathrooms, uh, the smaller children, so that adults don't necessarily need to go in with them. And so there's a protectiveness. There's a a feeling that this is going to be a safer place. But more importantly, the environment that we want to set, the staging that we want to put in place in terms of our existing facility has to do with discipleship and engaging our children in youth and ways That will reach them for Jesus Christ, that they might experience that living water. Our worship space, just to reiterate, in here there will be HD, and our goal is to have a third screen so that we can change the theme with our series as we move along. There'll be new chairs available here in the CLC, some sound enhancements, lighting enhancements worship space in the historic sanctuary. There's going to be an enlarged music area and, and it will be safer and there will be a new organ. We're looking for an organ donor. You guys think? Just I wanted to see if y'all were out there. Um, thank you. Uh, an elevator. Uh, we have one elevator. We need another one because we cannot get to the lower level. And, and so that is going to provide access for people that are physically challenged, if we have something on the lower level, we can actually get them there. And so it's interesting that Isaac goes and he finds that there's resentment and envy over the wells that he's digging up and over the fact that he's there and that he has prospered. And and so the Philistines and Abimelech say, "You're, you're too big for us. And so then he goes to another area Gerar, and there, uh, the the shepherds say, "This is our water. You cannot stay here." And I, I wonder if at that point Isaac said, "Look, God, you told me to stay in these lands. That one day, as part of the covenant, these lands would become ours. But I keep running into roadblocks, and I keep getting in these water disputes." And it says, "Finally, finally, he goes." To a place and it has water, and there's no quarrels. And he digs a new well and it's fresh and vital living water. And he says, I'm going to name this one Room Enough because God, in his faithfulness, has provided room enough. I want to suggest to you, men and women today, that this project is so critical because we're taking the room we have and we're saying, you know what, it's enough room, but we got to make it better. And God can do expansive, great things through our sacrifice and through our generosity. Because, you know, wells were dug for you and me. In fact, the wells that we're drinking from now, we didn't dig. We're drinking from the water that was provided by those who were faithful before us. And so today, we have an opportunity to dig a new well. We have an opportunity to say, God, on an individual basis, I want you to to unclutter me, unclog me, free me up, and then refill me with your Holy Spirit, with that water that will allow me to never thirst again. But as a church, we have a significant defining moment here as we dig a new well for the future. You know, when Isaac was faithful. He did what God said to do, just as Abraham had done before. And then the blessing came, and part of the blessing was the promise from God. God said to him that night when he discovered that the well was fresh and for him to use, God said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Don't fear a thing because I am with you. I'll bless you and make your children flourish because of Abraham, my servant. I really believe that God wants to bless Martha Bowman Church in a significant way for such a time as this. Let's pray together.